Welcome everyone to Prime Campus's new podcast series, Prime Graduates. My name is Tim Calder. I'm the founder of Prime Campus, a premium student flatting experience in New Zealand. Each episode, I'll speak with one of our undergraduate tenants to delve into how they came to study their chosen degree and where they plan on taking their futures once they graduate. In our first episode, I'll be speaking with Nico Gonzalez, who has an amazing story behind how he came to study a Bachelor of Science at the University of Otago, majoring in ecology and minoring in genetics taking through to the end of 2021. I'm here with Nico Gonzalez. Um, he's agreed to be uh, the first person that uh, we're going to interview in a series of videos we're doing, um, Prime Campus is doing to interview some of our tenants because what we've found over the years is that uh, you know you can go a whole year without actually getting to know some of your tenants. Um, you obviously do interviews to start the process off when you, you want to, to sign up a tenant but um, sometimes this is not done you know generally you're trying landlords are looking to do this from the angle of you know what uh, who is this person are they going to pay their rent but um, during the lockdown period in New Zealand, there's been, we've had, I think, tenants and prospective tenants have had more time to sort of chat and, and to get to know each other um, because, as I said, there's very little else you could be doing when you're locked up in your flat. And, and as a result, I actually got to, to meet some really interesting people and just asking what their degrees are doing, what they're doing for their degrees. They've got some pretty interesting responses. And, and I was talking to Nico the other day about some um, maintenance issues to do with the flat and some ideas, some ideas that we're running for Prime Campus and some initiatives. And one of them was composting, and Nico happened to say, "Look, well, actually, I'm, I'm, that's sort of part of what I'm studying." And I, and I thought, "Well, go on and tell me." He goes, "Well, I actually, looked into this and blah blah blah," and, and it went on from there. And I was thinking, "This is amazing! Like all the, the talent that's actually within these flats." And I'm out there trying to look at trying to improve things or whatever. And um, we have a tenant here that has, you know, will have will have an indefinite, you know, will always have more information and will know more about this topic than I have that I will. Um, and I've choosing to try and do this by myself when I could actually get the support of Nico. So it went from there and I thought this is interesting and then we just started talking as well on, a, on another talk we had and, and he just mentioned a couple of things he's doing in his background. I thought this is interesting, why don't we talk about these things? And and the other area we thought because if not just with landlord-tenant relationship but also when um, Nico's will graduate I think at the end of next year, um, we thought well look why not actually introduce Nico and talk about some of the things he's done and, and whatever because when you go into a, a job application process, generally, obviously, first you're a sheet of paper with just some credentials on there, which um, employers choose from. But then even when you do get down to an inter uh, interview phase, it's, you know, hearing more about your background and, you know, where you grew up or or where you've traveled to, it's not sort of on the, the main agendas of a, an interview for a job. And I think this is where you're missing a crucial amount of information about what tenants, you know, you know, what makes, what what students or what graduates or what your employees or what will make a good employer, employee. And I think, so what we thought we'd do with these interviews or these, uh, yeah, interviews with our tenants is just sort of get to know them a little bit, but sort of showcase them and profile them, um, not only just to to future employers, but even just other their fellow uh, students, tenants, a uh, few students, just about you know what they're studying and and uh, because I think this is interesting because is everyone saying studying something di different? I studied um, business and law, and I think it, that was sort of I thought a relatively boring field. But as we will learn from Nico, he's studying something a bit interesting, a bit different, and I think and he's among eighteen to twenty thousand people at the Otago University that are. That um that are studying something studying towards towards a degree. So um, without further ado, 
I'd like to introduce Nico Gonzalez. Nico, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Well, I thought we'd just start off by sort of going right back from the, the scratches. So, sort of, where are you from? You know, what did where, where like where are you born and raised? And where did you go to high school? And um, and then and what made you choose to come to Otago? Well, uh, I, was, I was born in New Zealand, but when I was about 11 weeks old, moved to Uruguay, South America. Um, so I lived there until I was about eight. So that's why Spanish is my first language. Um, and moved here with my mother and my brother, and then now two brothers. Um, and yeah, so I went to high school in at St. Peter's, which is a private boarding school. So I was there for five years, so year nine to year 13. Um, Otago, honestly, I just, my friends were going, and I was going to go to Auckland, and my friend decided, no, nah, I'm going to Otago no matter what. So I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good, because I never went to the, the open days. And yeah, it's so exactly the same as what happened to me as well. Like, I think, yeah, it's it's crazy how it's it's really, it's almost left down sort of to chance, but I don't know whether it's the same in other countries, but in New Zealand, I did the same thing. It was like, oh, where do we go? And and I think friends were going Otago, rugby, and, and that's sort of the thing that pulled us down there. And I thought, oh, yeah, sounds great. And I sort of loved the idea. And a group of us friends decided to go. And you think out of all sort of the promotions all these universities do and everything, you know, sometimes it is just where your friends and everything are, are going towards. And, and then you sort of, you go, yeah, that, that makes sense. And what about studying? Did you did you decide on a, did you always know that you'd be, like, what did you decide on studying? And no, I, I mean, I flip flop around like there's no tomorrow. Um, but like I've always been interested in kind of like environment and animals and stuff like that. And so, but then um, so when when I went down to Chicago, I studied business and law. So that makes sense. <laughs> exactly what I did, yeah. Yeah, and then so I decided like I wasn't liking um, commerce and all that. And then because you need good grades and both of your degrees to get into law, um, I like and I didn't know what I wanted to study and all that. So yeah, I just decided I would take my gap year then, just left at the end of semester one, and I got a job at a boat, like a yacht, working in Ibiza. Yeah, see, um, that is awesome. Yeah, you have mentioned to me in the past, and I just think, that is really cool. As I said to you, I, I after studying out of three years in London for my OE, and I never once went to Ibiza. All my friends did, but I never... Tell us about that. How was that? Like, what did what you know that gap year? How did that sort of shape you? I suppose as a as a as a person. And, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm really glad I kind of just because it was literally just my dad went. I've got it because he lived with Rebecca for uh, a decade or so. Really? Um, oh, cool. And and of yeah. course that made it probably a lot easier for you to say because when, yeah, right. when they said that, did they go? Oh, is that a good idea? But like because he lived there, he probably would have said. Sure, like that's yeah, no, his idea. Um, oh, brilliant. He said, uh, he's like, What do you want to do? Because he noticed I just wasn't happy and stuff, and I was like, I just want to travel and just figure it out for a bit. So he's yeah. like, All right, give me a week. And then a week later, he comes out, he's like, Got a job on the boat, you can start, you know, at the end of the semester. And Fantastic. The season yeah. starts in October or something like that. Yeah. And um, I was like, Sweetest. So he um, gave me some money to buy a ticket, and then I paid him back. I finished working on the boat because I left with like a hundred bucks. <laughs> I was like, let's go. That's and, cool. Um, so that's awesome. And and did yeah. you, was it a struggle? Like hey, you got there, worked on the boat, but everything worked out. Like I've heard some pretty, like I've been okay in terms of my travel, but I haven't done so much of it. And I haven't done anything as extreme as what you've just explained. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas I had a friend that did something similar to, to Costa Rica. And, uh, 
And I just sort of think he was just so underprepared for many of the things that happened. And he's just got some amazing stories. But, um, but in terms of just, you know, like constant mistake making, but then learning from them. How did you, did you have any issues with, uh, did you, uh, any problems? It was bumpy, but I mean, so when we went over there, I kind of overstayed my visa because when I was working on the boat, on the boat, and then when I left the boat, um, it, it's, um, I already overstayed it, but I want to travel anyways. Because yeah. um, I didn't really quite realize it was called the Schengen zone in Europe. Yeah. And it's yeah. like how the visa works. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but I want to see Europe. So, you know, I kind of carried on anyway. So I met up some very nice border police yeah. <laughs> every now and then. Yeah. But I managed to talk my way through it. But then um, I decided when I was in France, I just I was, I flew to Egypt. Um, just <laughs> I've always been to see the pyramids. Um, so yeah, I went to Egypt in two days. Um, see the pyramids, still yeah, quite cool. Got to climb up them a little bit. Um, yeah. And then from there I went to Thailand. Yeah. And there I met a really cool group of people there. Um, it was this group of Americans. One of them was a Kiwi. But he lives at a place for professional soccer over there. Yeah. And um, yeah, they... We're 30 or early 30s, and um, they just thought I was real cool, and they didn't realize like they knew that I didn't have any money, but they wanted me to come along and everything, so they were just paying for a lot of my stuff for the rest of like Asia. That's why I was there. Yeah, so they all paid flights and hotels and things, and we're just hanging out. There was a group of friends, um, and they're just like, Look, all we want for all of this is that just one day when you're older, whatever, and you come across a trailer like that. Yes. Open mind, pay forward sort of thing. That's fantastic. Have you ever do you still keep in touch with these people? Do you, or? yeah, every now and then? I mean, I'm really bad with like messaging and stuff, and yeah. they've all got like action crookers, but yeah, yeah no, every now and then, like, hey, how's it going? Or like, how's it going? Is that a card? And all that stuff, and um, yeah, no, they're like really cool. And we picked up more people, you know, as we went along. But no, it's you know, a really good bunch, and they made the experience just you know quite nicely. That's that's awesome. Like I think it's you know to be honest, it's one of the better, the best I suppose uh, travel stories I've heard. And this you know a lot of the again maybe I'm just using this one friend of mine and mine, but just it, there was always issues, you know, and there's always sort of problems. I suppose I'm sure you had issues and problems, things like this. But traveling with a group of you know of people that are that have got your back and that are that are obviously keen to travel, you know, I think you you sort of struck it lucky, really. How long did you travel? Like how long did you spend? Was it a gap year or did you do this? All in all, six months I was overseas. So really? I got to, yeah, so I was got to a point where I had like enough to buy one flight home or pay for like uh, an apartment or something and then start working um, in Thailand. Um, but I decided to go home because I met quite a few people that did that and then never quite left uh, <laughs> Thailand. So I was like, and you know, because you can't. Sorry? So you can't quite earn enough to save over there. Like yeah. it's very, it's more if you're just there and then, yeah. So I decided I'll come home. Um, yeah, and, and your parents were still happy and that they were supportive over the whole time. Like they would have supported you continuing. For yeah, us. well, I mean, my dad's still a man of the world, I guess. He's That's out, out doing his thing and mum did her whole thing. I mean, my grandparents are very traditional, um, where it's like go to school, go to uni, get a job, then when you're older. I kind of, I thought that 
Thailand or like Asia would be more enjoyable and like easier than her. Um, while I'm traveling, so, um, yeah, I'd not to do that. And I'll probably go on another OH university. Yeah, that, that's cool. See, I think, yes. Yeah, and do you get, do you feel like when you, when you meet, you know, when you're like, I'm sure like with your sitting your classmates and things, or just working tutorials or things and you're getting to know the other people that you're studying with, do you feel you've sort of got an advantage over them because you've had this experience as OE? Like, do you, do you sort of get the feeling that they haven't seen the world? Or in a, in a... I, it's more that the biggest thing I try and explain to people is when traveling, because by yourself especially, is, um, just you realize what you're actually, I mean, it sounds cliche, but capable of, you know, like I just went and traveled three different continents and then just real random, like I'd arrive at the country and then just wander around and find people and all that. And then, yeah, it just makes it when you go into situations, you feel like, well, I managed that. Yeah. <laughs> manage every situation you ran to overseas. Being so it builds that like confidence. That. You sort of yeah. you feel you'd have a lot it's, more confidence. Yeah, I, I get yeah. that. Because like yeah, you, you impress yourself in these situations, I guess. Yeah. No, well done. I think because as I said, yeah, it's I think and that's sort of like a key skill. I think and that you know to life in general is just that confidence and that's something like it took me until I was oh how old would I have been 25, 26, 27 something like this before I did my OE um, and and that was only because I was I was following my now wife overseas and until till then a lot of my friends joked because they're saying because I always said I'm not going overseas like I can I can you know set up a successful career and grow build a really good life for myself without having to do that I don't know why I sort of took that point of view maybe it was just you know like I thought you know I was maybe I was also quite traditional in the way I thought but um yeah like I look at it now and I think just the amount I think you know even just experiencing the culture living and working and understanding the culture I think that is the top like I the culture I experienced was German German culture and and I think in many ways it's completely different from the New Zealand culture like we're, we're quite sort of free and you know um, relaxed about sort of rules and things like that over here it's quite you know, yeah, that's why I avoided uh, Germany. That's yeah, <laughs> and, and overstayed my visa because the other countries gave me a slap on the wrist. I felt like Germany, I would never leave. <laughs> that's right, yeah, that, yeah, and and well, that's sort of the feeling. Like even my wife, just being a German, she was quite uh, careful. Like you know, like make sure you've got all your documents in order and everything like this. And it's like, and always put so much stress. And now again, maybe it didn't help my my uh, my ability or my feeling about traveling because now I just. I've got that constant, like at the border, you think, have I got everything organized? Where, where, like your experience was, like I don't, I don't have the recruit visa, but look, I'm, I'm here for a, sort of, um, you know, good purposes. Like I'm not, I'm not a bad person, so yeah. you know, I'm sure I can get through this. Whereas I was always looking at it from sort of a negative point of view, maybe because again, that that uh, that sort of German culture, like make sure everything's in order. But um, yeah, I've learned a lot, and it's been my greatest. I think that's been the the greatest learning thing in my life, just understanding another culture. And I think in, over in Germany here, they they it's part of sort of all the curriculum almost um where most students like you can always ask any German student like where did you exchange and they've done an exchange for at least six months somewhere uh, international internationally and I think yeah. New Zealand we don't do that I'm, I don't know about other countries but I think it helps it sort of teach a bit of um you know about uh, just to learn about other cultures but a bit of uh can't think of the word right now but just you you're more open to the other people's way of thinking um mm. you you sort of because you understand that people think differently and you can, uh, you know, when you're looking at it and maybe it's helpful at university, like when you're addressing a problem, it just gives you another perspective on things because people look at it from a completely different angle than you would have never anticipated because obviously you're like, you know, when I say you're our upbringing and as well, up until you're eight, um, 
after aid, our bringing in New Zealand has given you a certain way or a lens to look at things. So I think yeah. that's pretty cool to be able to, and you've obviously had, you know, like you've had that upbringing, obviously being born overseas, you experience it with that culture. And again, it was eight, eight you said that when you came across, New, came to New Zealand. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's, you're getting quite old today. Like you would have still, you, you'll clearly, you'll have memories from, from that and you would have adopted part of the English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So obviously all of that is, is going to be such, you know, it obviously helps you. And I think this is where it comes, you know, going back to Varsity again. When you came back and you decide to study again, did that help you, you know, like after that year doing a BCom in law, did you then go, right, this is now, did you, you know, um, have a better idea of what you want to do? Did you sort of, when you came back? Yeah, well, so I came back first to Hamilton um, and got a place with a friend of mine and stuff it's like rented one um and i just worked for a year um so i wasn't really planning to but i ended up just getting <laughs> so i was just looking for jobs and i was just you know so you're applying for jobs something you're like oh my fuck i'll get it or just random or whatever um so i played for a job at chipmunks so like yeah. a child place yeah, yeah yeah i know and i got given an interview and i came in and i was like oh now I'm kind of gauged to where I applied. So I just came in jeans and a t-shirt, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got like a tattoo and stuff. So it's like, there's no way. Anyway, she gave me the job on the spot. Really? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, I, I like it. You want to give me the job? Yeah. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and how do you find that? How, how long did you do um, that? How did you find it? Well, I was the manager by the end of the year. So you were kidding. See, yeah, that's so, cool. Yes. And, and uh, how did that be a completely different? How did but how did you find that? Was it like a, a learning curve going into to early child? Like was that that they're young? Yeah. They're from like what three maybe to yeah, five? Like, yeah, from like four through to like eight. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah. and then because then they put me in charge of the whole after school care, school care and school holidays, and then so I was like, this is cool because um, I get to do what I like to do because. My interest, in, I guess, well, not childish, but, you know, I like to go out and look at different bugs and the zoo and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, I can just bring the kids along. On that the is fantastic. Yeah, ah, and so, yeah, and then the kids, I mean, because, yeah, I guess kids these days are just really into, like, the whole PlayStation, like, kind of stuff. And then, um, but I get real passionate about things like animals and physics. And then when they at first, they were kids, they were like, oh, you're weird. And then at the end of that, they're all, like, you know, fucking along. So I'll, um, and I can't, it just kind of reminded me how much I loved animals and environment because I kind of stopped, well, not stopped, but like forgot when I was at St. Peter's, I guess, because I never, you know, um, encountered it. Really. And um, so I got, I got some pet mice while I was living in Hamilton. And, and it just kind of reignited Yeah. And then kids, I was, you know, we'll, we'll build this whole table full of castles and everything out of cardboard. And the mice would just run through and the kids watching. and learning about lots of things and um yeah so i really enjoyed and then so yeah because that's the cool thing like i've learned obviously now being a father of two now um i've like i grew up on a farm and and i remember obviously just loving animals and enjoying that lifestyle and and then i remember um this is i'm trying to sort of relate to your experiences and because i can understand and and i think you've yeah you've, you've every experience i've had you've done it on steroids essentially like you've done it to a, a greater extreme like my experience with working with kids first came from i did a, a big buddy program um it was actually in Tunisia, right. and i did it for 
about five years or six years. And that was an incredible experience for me. Like little things, just like, just, I, mean, I can relate to you when you're saying, yeah, you go and then you, you have to, you know, you have to look after kids or, you know, entertain them, things like this. And, and I remember that the program said, oh, you know, like you don't have to do anything particular. You can just sort of draw or paint or just do something. Like often you think you have to really put a lot of thought in, into this, but sometimes it's mm. just like at the end, we just went out. Yeah. We, you'd go for walks or just go look at bugs or animals and trees and stuff. And it's just, that whole experience just doing anything and you know i think out of nature i think it's just there's so many opportunities or so many things to talk about or look at or to discuss or there's you know there's as opposed to you know inside where you're sort of limited in terms of what you can experience mm -hmm. so um i reckon as those kids they must have absolutely loved you after that year i think uh, yeah well they really quite enjoyed it because they'll just point at something and be like tell us about that and then i'll just rattle off a million facts about this sure. that, and the other thing yeah, sure. and then um but yeah, so I think it's just when you get passionate about something, or when I get passionate, I think people just kind of like it's infectious. Because um, like, oh, it's not just looking at how. That's know, right. Yeah. And, and this has helped you go into like, because now I know um, from talking to you previously, you, this is what you're now studying, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. So then when I had finished the year, I decided, well, I want to study, I'm like move back to Otago and I'll study as such. Um, because I began studying in Waikato University, but then I didn't like Waikato um, University, so I just was, I ended up just working such, and then you know, working quite a bit. Um, and yeah, so I decided I'll go to Otago. I started studying, I went back to studying law as well, yeah. um, just because I wanted to see the end of it. Yes, um, yeah. But I was studying, yes, yeah. yeah, so I was studying, but I was studying ecology. Um, yeah. Oh, okay, so you changed your commerce, you went from, so law to ecology. Yeah, yeah. So I decided uh, instead of business, I'd do ecology, yeah. and I could, and because a law paper is only one paper, it's yeah. a full year one, and I could still do ecology and all that. Um, so yeah, and then, but yeah, I really enjoy law. I just never saw myself in any kind of legal career. It's just a bit yeah. too, um, I guess, linear. Yeah, so, same, same with me, but I, I did exactly the same paper as well. And it gave me, I think, just a good foundation. So I, I was like you, I couldn't see myself as a lawyer. Like, well, you see, it's the law is glorified in terms of lawyers are glorified. You think, wow, this looks like an amazing thing to do. I want that's what started me along. But as I went further along, I just knew this wasn't for me. But I, I really appreciate it. And it'd be interesting to hear what your thoughts are on on having laws 101 or just that base that that foundation yeah, like i bet it helps for a lot of things even yeah, you know with the tenancy negotiation or things like this just looking at your tenancy contract going i get you know this makes a lot more yeah. sense you know yeah um getting to, i mean i always get into arguments to get parties because people would be like well the law sucks and well law's broken and all that kind of stuff and i'm like well no but because um, I really I, I, I really did love law and I loved the course and everything. But, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to be a lawyer and I don't want to stay another four years because it yeah. extends it um, just to do law that I'll never per se use because it gets a little more specific. And, you know, um, and but yeah, I mean, not, I mean, humble brag, but like I was good at law because um, yeah. I think I stopped going to lectures like after semester one yeah. and then two weeks before the exam just was doing housework while listening to the lectures yeah. <laughs> like for the first time at like two point two point three and yeah and I was about four bucks before of getting in um, yeah. competitive entry and it was pretty yeah. much just winging my way through so it made that's a lot really good like I studied yeah. hard and I don't think I got as close as you did so well done that's pretty yeah. that's impressive. I, I just, it just made sense but um like I said I didn't want to be in law but I really enjoyed ecology and I was getting good marks in it too yeah. And so I decided, 
I'll drop the law because I don't want to stay any longer um, than I have to. And then I picked up Benedict because um, I thought it was real interesting documentary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah. how are you finding now? Like it's it's good. Like it meets your expectations in terms of like it's still. Yeah, yeah. So it's only going to probably be doing it as a minor, um, and because the fields I'll be kind of interested in are like anti-poaching or uh, pest management type things. So it's just using genetics as in like, um, you know, if you find a bunch of ivory as such and finding out where cricket came from kind of thing, and then you can kind of narrow down or pest management, the thinking of genetically engineering um, and organisms, pests, and then you release them um, and they mate and they kind of collapse the whole population. So that's the current thing they're aiming for in New Zealand when they're saying like pest-free 2050. It's not going to be done through just um, 1080 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, that's interesting. It sounds like if that it's it's almost like genetics is almost like the sort of like the law of business and since like law provides a nice foundation for for, for business studies and you yeah. not only have law but you've got genetics, which sounds like a, quite a nice foundation to help you sort of you know like you as you said when you look at a problem or um and you know if you're looking for solutions to to, to, to you know for let's say you know a better solution than 1080 you can look at and go okay yeah what does these genetic solutions or these pesticides or whatever what do they have what what are the impacts they have um on the on the species in general in terms of based on the, the genetics yeah. and what will that so that's that's kind of cool um yeah and then the ecology is understanding how the environment and how it interacts because you're gonna you don't want someone messing with animals and all that um or, or genetically organized uh, engineered organisms yeah. without knowing what's going to happen to the environment person yeah. um, like the whole ecosystem so you remove a chunk exactly. and then things exactly so and then yeah i really like it. so it's just looking at because um it's either pests because i think they're really bad for the whole environment mm. or just uh, endangered species type thing like illegal pet trade and, and poaching and all that yeah, so, that's fantastic. That's, that's interesting. And and do you see yourself um like applying all this knowledge like once you graduate? Is it is New Zealand where you'd like you said you'd like you'd still like to do more another OE, but would you would you still want to as your would you like to work in New Zealand or where would you like to apply this knowledge? Um, honestly, I'd be happy anywhere. To be honest, yeah, that's, you're lucky like, because you've got that 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 sort of yeah that flexibility that international sort of bent to you. you you're you're open to to. Yeah, well, to the point, because, like, I mean, I'm thinking after uni, during uni, um, joining the military, yeah. just because with the whole anti-poaching, it's not, you know, a safe, I guess, field. Um, you need that training. So yeah. I'm thinking of doing that. So, yeah, like, I'm, I'm happy going anywhere, like, because obviously all that, mostly in Africa or Asia and things. Um, but even with penis management, there's countries like Guam and all that that are, like, completely under threat by... I mean, gone is just by one species of snake. <laughs> it's just being completely wiped out. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so it's, yeah, honestly, like, point of the country, and I'm happy to live it. Like, uh, it, for me, I find a lot of like cultures or anything fascinating, or countries fascinating. So I'm not like, you know, there's some people that are like Europe. I love Europe. Only gonna go Europe. I'm yes. like, love Europe. I love different aspects of Europe, but I also love Africa. I love different aspects of Africa. Yeah, so it's like, I'll go here. I can't help sort of smiling in the back of my head when I listen to all this because I think this is almost exactly what, you know, the whole employment, like if, if, if a potential employer is looking at this and thinking, you know, like this guy is clearly, 
you know, imagine someone, let's say they're trying to employ me for someone, a, a job overseas, you know, in Spain or something like that. And they're going, they're going, you know, will this guy hack it? This guy, does he have, you know, the international experience? Does he have, has he lived overseas? Or will, are we wasting our time and resources trying to, to attract this guy over here because he just simply won't fit into the culture? Where someone like you, not only will you fit in because you've just had this experience and you've just got you know, this openness to travel and to, to different cultures, but but I think you'd thrive in this because this is this is clearly like in your nature to, to really enjoy these different uh, these opportunities. Obviously, so I think really interested. Yeah, that's I, pretty. Yeah, cool. I think I get it from my father probably. Yeah, I I can I can he's, tell that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all over the place. Um, can I ask what what he does? What what allows him to travel all over the place? Like what's everything? Consulting, like he's. Uh, yeah, it's a range of things. He's like an entrepreneur, is his oh, title, cool. but that's the most broad title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had businesses and things. Um, was saying yeah. So, and but he's also been like a bodyguard and things like that for like you know different um, people. And and when he was in Ibiza, he did businesses slash ounces slash uh, bodyguarding for like you know, Arabian princes and all that kind of stuff yeah. that like to go around so yeah he's definitely um yes a man of action that's oh wow i think yeah brilliant so i think i get excited by you i think this is brilliant this is really cool well um and in terms of um like i was going to ask you so we've covered travel we've covered what you're studying and where you're going and everything like that um um that's what i was uh, a topic that was on my head sorry i just it, it jumped off my head it was um climate change like clearly you know obviously this is i think the biggest threat to our existence yeah. and, and and uh this is it's a, it's almost like the elephants in the room in any top conversation because we can talk about all careers and all these wonderful sort of airy fairy mm. you know, lovey dovey type things but but the harsh reality is is that you know we'll will planet be around like will we be allowed around like will will the structure and the the ways of of living and and getting jobs and and traveling and everything will that be around long enough for us to enjoy you know for for you to pursue like what's your views on this are you concerned are you i have a very element controversial what's that sorry um, I, have a, I think i have a very controversial opinion yeah. um this whole climate change thing i think it's very real and it's like you know it's a thing but i think that like so for my my issues is say with the protests um that were happening or the, the marches um over the climate change is that these people they're going out some of them are going out because they want a day off school or the day off work some of them just think it's a scary concept or things or don't like it and they can march it but they don't know what they're marching for or what they want to change and so the same people that are saying like it was politicians or businesses that did all these damages, like the damage or the countries did all the damage. They like change it, but not what changing is. So the same people that made the issue, you're asking for the solution, and they don't know. And and in this kind of media type world, they'll just do whatever looks good in Instagram. You know, it's not an issue. So. Um, well, what it exactly. collects, it collects the most votes and, and exactly. So for things like with the turtles, you know, we banned plastic straws for turtles. Plastic straws are the most minimal thing that were affecting turtles. <laughs> like it was literally, but yeah. it was the easiest thing to get rid of. I think the one of the big things is people hitting them with boats, but no one's going to stop using no, them. Yeah. But they're happy without straws. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, I get that. See, it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. a very fear. For my issue, it's fear mongering, yeah. and they're scaring people into making these decisions and just in the name of good. And that's, mm. Um, and with the whole like Twitter, um, 
I mean, I feel sorry for her personally. I feel like she's being opposite a little bit. Um, and, you know, I know she's only a child, but if she's a child making a global movement, you're open to criticism. So, you know, I know you're only 16, but you're hitting this global movement. I would expect you to be able to answer questions and know what you're talking about and be able to face criticism um, and not be you know, not allowed to be criticized because yeah. it's I, I actually, I think about that as well. And, and I saw one of her, an interview at, at Davos and with her and, and they, that was it. They asked about what she, how she reacts to the haters or whatever like that. And mm-hmm. you know, they said it in a more, more diplomatic way than that. Or how do you respond to bad criticism or something like that? And, and, uh, and I think it just shows, you know, maybe a pedigree, but it, her, just her, um, you know, like obviously clearly that's a, a problem, but as you said, she's put herself out there and mm. how she spun that question around, which I thought was brilliant. It was the, the first bit of the only, I've had, the only hour of media training I ever had was some guy said, if they, if you get asked a question, just respond with an answer that you hope the question would have been. And that's pretty much what she did. She turned that question around it because we're sort of listening going, yeah, how, how do you deal with all this negative stuff? And she spun around and said, and she said, um, you don't want to hear about what I do to deal with how I deal with my haters. Um, and she just started just continually, you know, rattling off that the, you know, what her message was. And I thought, you know, one that showed obviously she's, yeah, obviously, like, I was, you know, I knew that she was very passionate about what she was doing, but also that, uh, yeah, she's, she's, you know, the, 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 as you said, the, the, the negative or the, the impact that she's receiving is, is real. And, um, but she's obviously, you know, she, and she's aware of it. And, and again, but she has put herself out there and she's aware of that as well. But she just continues going along with her message. And I think, yeah, you know, I think, but, yeah my issue is just because um, I also believe that the, a good economy is required to keep the environment OK. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people say you shouldn't sacrifice the environment for the economy. Well, if the economy goes under, the first thing to go out the window is the environment. Yeah. <laughs> no one, you know, yeah. no one cares about and then and that's, that's always been my thing when you when you're looking to vote even in New Zealand you're thinking you know where and like I as I said like coming from a farming background I grew up you know very much exposed to a, a right-wing way, way of thinking when I say right-wing there's no not extreme just center right should I say you no, know? I think I think when people say right-wing they take the wrong message that's right um, yeah exactly and I'm like I get what you mean by right-wing yeah just but that's sort of more because my grandparents are farmers they're, ex- they're the exact same way it's national it, all the way Initial, exactly, yeah. And then as like I've learned to be exposed to different colors, I think I feel myself feeling like I've always been sort of, I always start off center right, but I start m- moving just slightly towards the middle and then even start heading more towards the left. Like I'm very, I'm, I'm quite open and to where I, where I see things, but I've always, like I loved the idea of, of greens and everything like this, but that's the one concern I've had and you've nailed it on the head is that, that, you know, sometimes with the, the economic policy, you know, as you said, you can't have good environmental policy if you don't have strong, you know, if you can't, no. if you can't uh, support the economy. I think a lot of them are, you know, on both sides, very unreasonable. Um, and like, for example, Greta winning, I think, the Paris Accords and stuff. And, you know, they came up with like, well, we're going to reduce the emissions by 10% or 20%. And some of them are like, you know, kind of, random numbers to try and keep people happy but she's like no zero no but you know it's not realistic you know yeah. you, you can't just suddenly take all the cars off the road you know because yeah. uh, it's not and then there's other countries that are trying to get it net zero yeah. um so really they're still producing you know carbon but like they're just buying carbon credits and things yeah. and all these things and it's not you know, a good thing either yeah. um it's just kind of putting a band-aid on it. and um 
So yeah, I think the issue is when you have a movement without a point, without asking for a specific change and things, and you're letting people change this, that, and the other thing, you might cause more damage than good. That's right. So, I've actually you know, got a friend. Asking for change, you need to tell what that you want to change. Yeah. <laughs> it's like me, yeah, me saying to you, I don't like this about the flat. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what? what? I'm like, this is the flat. <laughs> and, uh, and you have to decide what it is and what you're going to change and all that. Yeah. And I'll talk about this, but you change something else. Yeah. You know, yeah. So because people have different opinions of what. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You know, you're asking for a change. Tell me what it is. That's right. Yeah. No. Very good. And then of course that change. You know, will people be able? Is it something within the realms of people's comfort? Like, will people be able to move towards it, or will they? Will it be too severe? Like you said, Greta's like zero emission strategy. Will it be too severe that? Like, how could we, you know, like in Germany here, it's, it's probably similar to the Netherlands in some respects in terms of like we bike everywhere and things like this. So that's quite, like we've, but if you were to tell someone that is, is needs to commute for their job, or whatever, you know, let's remove this car or whatever, or go all electric, you know, like, you know, the, the reaction to this, is it going to be, you know, like you're going to force people to almost, like I, I hear a lot of it that it's, it, you almost, it's some of these strong sort of um, solutions is, is causing people to react almost in a negative way and jump at, you know, going almost anti Greta. Yeah, and that's yeah, what exactly. I, I think, like I like Greta, I think she's doing a great job and anything like this, but but it is, as you said, it's it's just too, if you focus too much on, you know, if you don't allow for the economy, that bit in the middle, that sort of the, sort of the, the glue that sort of helps, will, will help the changes go, go forward. If you forget that, um, then I think you're going to deal with it. You're going to put people off because people can't imagine a world where they can't either drive to work with a car and things like that. That's the thing. Yeah. And it's all a nice message. And it's also in the social media. And yeah. look, I get it. I mean, I don't think a lot of the things she says is even her and all the little advisors and what's going to get the most message out there or controversial, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like the old the, the Trump method, you know, say yeah. something ridiculous, the world will hear. Yeah, uh, yeah, kind of thing. Um, it's really sad that that's the way the world's gone, because and it's it, it is how it is, you know. Like no one cares if you put something like sort of intelligent, but it's like people just want to read, tweet, or read, you know, yeah. hash anything that's just gonna invoke reactions. We're always de-evolving in that sort of perspective, because yeah, like with you know the debate yeah. or or anything, any intellectual that sort of we throw out the window for these clips and. And I, I struggle with that because it takes me a long time sometimes to get my message across. And when I'm trying to, to pitch for certain ideas or things like this, like I feel myself waffling along and people would rather hear that Trump soundbite, like boom, you know, and they're like, whether yeah. it's whether it's right or wrong, it's 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 really yeah. powerful. And, it's, yeah. and and I think that is, uh, it's sad that that's, that's how the world works. Yeah. And the message essentially gets carried itself. Yes, um, you're right. Yeah. But, so, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, it's... Um, but uh, then again, as well, people aren't as dumb as social the media, I guess, you know, um, betrays as such. So yeah, well, uh, I think well, I, I think it's a good uh, yeah. a thing that we're looking at and people are taking seriously. But I think we're just not really sure what we're going about it, kind of thing. So like, because uh, you wanted to do the environmental initiative as such, yeah. or like committee, yeah. um, and I feel like I was already going to get into arguments with people because like the the, the classic responses would be like, well, what about solar panels? example you know because we think they're good but um i already looked into like solar panels have a 25 year lifespan say, yeah. and making them are quite resource heavy yeah. um they start losing their efficiency of about one percent a year per se so you know when you're replacing them 
we have no way of recycling them. So we're just dumping these. So right now it's not a lot of solar panels, but then when everyone's using solar panels and we just all chuck them out <laughs> and not being recycled, you're causing the issue again. You know, and it's, see, it's I've heard not, that it's interesting you say that about solar because I heard something similar about yeah, wind, um, uh, the propellers, those wind turbines, and um, they're saying that the, the, the cost of, of creating those things and storing everything, all the amount of the, the carbon that's used and the whole supply chain, everything getting up there, they'd need to run for X amount of years. I don't know how, I can't remember, but it was a yeah. very long time to get a payoff. And you're thinking, it's amazing, you know, and as you said, all people can all people can see is, oh, but we're not burning fossil. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, Hey, yeah. what do you think about, because I've just, I, I, I listened to a lecture the other day on these sort of topics and saying how, we, you know, like we are sort of addicted to fossil, but we're not addicted, but we're we're bound to fossil fuels for the foreseeable future because that's the only way we can really get enough energy for us to be able to, you know, to do the things that we usually do in a day um, and for everything to happen the way it is. But um, the one example that was brought up in this lecture I listened to is, uh, is that we've all moved away from nuclear, can, you know, and of course there's been the massive disaster. Oh, you're going to say that, yeah, nuclear is the solution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I thought, but it was funny. This lecture that was I listened to was really brilliant, well said, and, and very frightening because it sort of painted the the worst sort of it painted an economic and and uh, sort of societal collapse. And um and but they and I thought, well, what about this? Because they only briefly touched on nuclear, and they said that yeah, but I think they said yeah, you can't. There's still a lot of issues and things like this, and and uh, and of course there's been obviously Chernobyl, which is just you know was was a, a yeah. disaster. And and then of course um, Fukushima and things where you've got these mm. problems and like we all jump like. But well, the issue is because with nuclear we've been using the same like design and methods from the 50s. It hasn't been developed anymore yeah. because when you decide we're going to put this X amount of funding into mm. nuclear, the public goes mm, <laughs> no, yeah. and so you yeah. take away funding. And when you take away funding, you take away quality. Yeah. Um, so, for example, in New Zealand, we're all nuclear free. Yeah. What does that mean? You know, like yeah. that's right. Yeah. How we, yeah. Be, not only there's no funding, like there's no even there's no possibility of funding because people exactly. are so And so yeah. this is where I was watching a documentary of Bill Gates, mm. and because he tackles issues that the public felt like, not, well, it's not popular. So he was tackling nuclear energy, and um, they actually developed because they had not be any innovation. Um, because uh, the biggest thing with nuclear energy was that created waste, waste that we didn't do anything with. And so it just got barreled up and stored away. Um, so there's still waste, but at least it's not going into the environment per se. Sometimes. Anyways, but he developed a clear power plant that uses the waste. So like the idea is so that he was partnered with the Chinese um, because they're the biggest ones that, you know, pushing nuclear parasites. And yeah, so it's, it's pretty much that you had a nuclear power that creates waste, but then another nuclear power that uses the waste. And I think there's enough waste at the moment to power, I think, the states for like 120 years, per se. And it's just using the waste of the other ones. Um, and with yeah, Chernobyl and, and Fukushima, Chernobyl was human error, because, you know, so yeah. when you automate it, it's okay, you know, let's these issues. Um, and Fukushima, I think it was like a tsunami. Yeah. And the way they place the like, generators and such were like below the water, so you know, bad design. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's why um, I remember reading because I was working in London at the time, and a and a, a headline came across Bloomberg, and it said, uh, and it and uh, it was something like um, they after complete analysis they worked out yeah Fukushima was a man-made error, um, and 
and, and the way I interpret this, because of course there's certain stocks that at the time we're pushing to try and say, you know, that we're involved in the production of nuclear, um, the, the, term, the nuclear um, uh, generator constructions and, and what have you. And, and we're saying, look, well, if it's a man-made error, that's something that you can address. If it was sort of like mm. a, oh, we didn't see that, this is a natural, you know, like, you know, this is, we didn't see it coming. Well, those things you sort of can't readdress. Obviously the tsunami happened, but if they put it down, they're saying, well, actually, if we had, like you just mentioned, I don't know the situation as well, uh, but if they didn't put the generators below the sea level, whatever you'd suggest, yeah. is um, then that would have solved some of the problems. Well, then you think, brilliant, okay, because that's all the world look at. And I think after that, that event, and uh, I think Germany, it was around that, Germany so said, no, right, we're shutting down all our nuclear power stations because of that you know and because and largely it just shows that this is it's human reaction and our, our well, we didn't even bother developing it <laughs> we're just like off exactly <laughs> off you, don't even, you know like yeah that's right and and it's it's sad because it, it does sound to me like again i don't know a lot about this topic and, and i've always been super proud of new zealand for for standing up and saying we're nuclear free and things like this and we don't want any of your nuclear um, ships coming into new zealand wherever but, and I remember a friend also saying something like, um, oh, you know, we should go nuclear and things. And I was saying, oh, are you serious? Like, how, why, how are you and my friend? Like, I just remember being so offended yeah. by that. But then the more you read about it and the more you understand it, it does sound like a very clean, when people say it's a clean energy, you're thinking, why, nuclear clean? But because no, the way it's done is, yeah, it's just heat at hot water. Yeah, <laughs> that's energy. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and particularly uh, the waste that you've suggested, because that's something I haven't heard about before. And a friend, we've discussed this quite a bit, is that, you know, what do you do with the waste? But if the waste can be reused, well, then that's that's hardly waste. Yeah. That's, and you know, and it, it, didn't, went, it didn't go forward because of the Chinese embargo from America and so the whole thing fell through. Yeah. Um, but he's still got it. And I really like it. I mean, he really likes to tackle the... And, yeah. and, and I like that because it, it's like... Uh, you know, media does this whole thing because when you think nuclear, you think nuclear power, explosion, and nuclear bomb. Yeah, that's and you right. think bad. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's not that bad. Like, and because I was looking at, I, I was just doing my own bit of blur, but it was like, I think since the 50s or so, uh, nuclear power has killed, give or take, 60, 80,000 people. Um, you can't accurately do the whole like you know, radiation or whatever. But coal kills about 600,000 people per year. And so when you, but it's not in your face, it's not visual. In China, where it looks like it is in their face, like you just, the smog is so bad. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, for them. But no, no, one, no one cares because no. pneumonia, this, and all the other things. Nuclear power is explosion. That's bad. That's right, <laughs> but yeah. They stuff. And so they're asking Bill Gates, like, would you live um, next to your power? Or like the nuclear it's like 100 percent i look i don't even live hundreds of kilometers from his like coal power plants like and near one of those ones um and so he's like oh, you know, so it's like you know i'm stoked that he's in the world because i sort of think like i even just listened to it was recently around this corona time or whatever it was um i saw it was a clip from uh, an italian the italian parliament where they they this woman got up and was speaking about you know how bill gates was involved or whatever and, and he's you know he's part of this and he's a problem and how we should stop world leaders should stop speaking with him or engaging with him and things like this and, and i think this poor guy like with the with you know like like i'm pretty sure i think he's a great guy but let's say i don't know because i i really don't yeah. you know but you sort of think on the face of it he generally seems like he's he's not really he's throwing around his money a lot more like he's a very wealthy man and yet he's putting a lot into these these resources well, like, yeah if you look at it because i mean I like when you talk to people a lot of people hate rich people you know yeah. like everyone shouldn't ever 
And and then what you're like, okay, if you think about it, you, these greedy rich people, the top ten or top one percent, they got Gates, and he's, I mean, set up a foundation that promises yeah. to give away half their wealth, all their wealth when they mm-hmm. die. They've set up foundations now that do it. He committed to like getting rid of polio in Africa through vaccines, just because like yeah. <laughs> like there's no benefit to it, and and he's received so much pushback from it. Uh, he was looking at um, what are the issues in Africa, and so like a popular one's water, and that's overdone and all that. So he looked at sanitation to develop a new way of sanitation, and all that. And you can tell like he's not, he's I can't remember the condition, but he's, he he struggles to understand people's emotions per se. And but he sees a solution, so he's like vaccines. But people you know push back because people don't like vaccines or religious leaders and rebels and all that. But he's like, I'm trying to help. <laughs> like, just wanting to. Do, he's got. Here's the solution, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. But you can't get to that human emotional level, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but he and then you got the next one, like Warren Buffett. He's already given away half his wealth, or pledged to give away half his, just because. Again, and that's like billions and billions of dollars. That's right. Yeah. And then I think um, Jeff Bezos uh, committed ten billion dollars per year or something like that. That's climate right. change. Again, just because. Yeah. While the person that complains that hey rich people won't even give a dollar when walking past those SPCA things, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So it's like, yeah. um, sure, they're not going way more, but ten billion is a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I agree. And and like I like I've just seen um, has been it must be in, uh, in New Zealand they've released um, you know uh, well I think the Green Party have released their their um, their prospectus or what it is that they are um, campaigning for for the new elections. And I just yeah, saw I didn't that, like it. I haven't read it or anything about it. I just saw, but yeah. one line that I've seen um, bounce around on, on Facebook was um, a wealth tax, and then obviously redistributed as a as a um, minimum, almost like a universal basic income. But I think it was just a minimum income, making sure that everyone gets. Mm-hmm. I don't know too much about it, and again, I'm, I'm not political too much. Like I, I'm really open to all sorts of things, but I sort of think. Yeah. Like I do like your point, and and I don't know where the middle ground is because I do agree. Like these these like Bezos is now ex-wife who's also pledged half her wealth and things. Like yeah. amazing. Like I think, you know, there needs to be some like you said the economy. There needs to be some incentive for people to go. Look, I really want to make it around. I really want to work and make some money. And like if you just remove this incentive, I I do think like I know people say oh you shouldn't need this incentive or things like this, but I think this is how we operate. I think every day we look to well, try. Well, some of them are just it's like keeping score. Yes. You know, like, yeah. you know, like I did well this year because I made X amount of money. Like right. And then when you get that rich, you yes. you almost can't help but to make money. You yeah. know, like yeah. it, you just you you walk that side of the road with wearing this kind of clothes. Mm-hmm. Boom, you got paid. You got this or that. Yeah. And and you know they they're giving it away or whatever. Then that's yeah, the point. I've sort of the fact that they're giving it away. I think I think letting letting almost the free market take a peek. That's probably where I'm the biggest believer. I'm sort of right in the centre, and like just let the free market have. It. And these people, once they've made their money, I think you know they want a better a world for their children. And and it's not something you can sort of say, well, here's a little bubble that my child could live in. The the, the child's going to live and want to tra- like you travel around the world and, and have these mm-hmm. great experiences. So they're going. I think it's a natural thing for them to, to then want to reinvest or to, to, to give back or give to charity yeah. or, and or to, you know, to try and improve this and it's I think we've seen that as you said from the people that we've just mentioned I think well, so, I think people shouldn't be ashamed to want to make money per se yeah. or be rich or that kind yeah. of stuff it's like you know and, and I was listening to some guy talk about he's like oh well um or someone's like you shouldn't earn more than a million or something yeah he's like well if you say I can only earn up to a million a million I'll make a million in you know, one week, 
you yeah, say, yeah. and then I'll stop working. Yeah. Why would I work? Why would yeah. I work for free? Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Sure, yeah. It's overpaid or paid a lot or whatever. Yeah. But he's like, I also make this many jobs. What do you yeah. do? That's right. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like and, it's it's and the solution that we should work down to one percent, just so everyone else, you know, if you look yeah. at the actual numbers, they don't have enough money to support the rest of the population. Yeah. Um, but it's just such an easy one because it's easier to unite against someone that you want to attack. I don't think it's a real solution. And with the Green Party, they want to eradicate poverty, I think, by giving money. And that's not eradicating poverty, that's just kind of band-aiding. It's just yeah, to, yeah. like give more money away. Mm. But you need a great job to eradicate poverty, not by just flinging money. That's why I don't like the debt very much, um, yeah. because they throw money away and they're like making money, but sometimes forget about people. So yeah. why you? that's why there's a place. Both parties. Yeah, that, and that's why I was just about to say, and that's why I'm quite a like. You look at the 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 the, the states. They've got obviously you know these two big main parties, and and yeah. I think where I, I think, and I was even talking to people over in Germany. Like I love the the you know the like again. I'm I'm not a political science study student. I don't really know this too much, but I do really like what I understand of the MMP system and how you can get these greens like. And you can probably partner them with a, with a, you know, like a centre right, yeah. you see, and you you create these like I I really even like the, the German system as I said, you know, where they they do form these these grand coalitions. It's almost like Labour and National forming together. Yeah, yeah. You've got then you cover with the, the the giant population. You go, let's do a system that sort of supports as many people as possible. Yeah. And I know there's pros and cons to this. And I and I, and I well, said, the two party system does work, and I think it was George Washington. Um, first one said that it's going to be the end of America type yeah. thing because what happens is the right, you know, the left will say a good idea or have a good proposition, and the right will say no, not because they don't think it's a right, but they don't want the other party to get the credit and vice versa. That's um, right. I've seen polls, and that just shows the points of view are just shifting further and further apart. Like, and I think it's, it's largely driven by what you're saying yeah. there, and it's and that's super scary because these are good ideas, but because yeah, well, because they're going exactly, they're just going at each other, and they forget about the rest of the country per se. And yeah. so it's hard. It's good. That's right. Yeah. And it's a hard cycle to stop because. Who's going to stop? Like as soon as as soon as one, let's say, a Republican or a Democrat, they turn around and they say, "Look, that was a good idea. We actually support that." Yeah, like, it's a whole time on that. Like, yeah. just, you know, it's like it's it's almost yeah. yeah it's, well, it's, uh, take your foot off the tiger's neck situation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but and and I mean the same thing happens here. We're a multi-party system, but we're still got national labor and yeah, and they're both their flaws and things and my my personal belief is i don't think anyone's entirely correct and yeah, i think no, i agree with people, you everyone goes in with their opinion go i'm correct and it's like you have a point yeah. you are coming from the right angle but i don't think anyone's entirely correct and then right. i think that you need the other side other party to reach that middle because it's middle for everything and then right. i think it's ridiculous that people think that they can come up with an idea come up with a law or whatever and then go this is it and everyone's like well and then they're not open to criticism yeah. and then i think the um a party or government, whatever, that's not open to criticism to their own propositions is just dangerous. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it's just arrogant and no, arrogant. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, you get into the whole, that's why I don't like socialism. But like, that last one, sorry. I don't like socialism, like the general yeah. sets yeah. me off because it's, it's too much power for government, you know? Yeah. Like, they're good in every place. And I think European some of them do it well, yeah. um, like parliaments. And but I think other ones are starting to lose their grasp on reality, personally. Yeah, yeah.
No, uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree with many of those ideas. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Like, I, I think I'm a constant, constant student of it because, you, you, you know, like, I'm just constantly learning. Like, I don't have any, you know, be I, I regret, you know, when I look back at my studies and I wish I did more political studies so I could understand this more. So I could see, like, I think mm -hmm. I've learned a lot just from experiencing these different cultures like you have. And I think you've you've had more experience than most people because you've been able to see different cultures, just able to look from different perspectives. And I think that's the key. And I've got that a little bit and I, I can sort of start seeing, and it's really only since I've had this, you know, like if you looked at my political, where I've sort of swayed, it's since I've been and exposed to different cultures and different points of view, I've started to look and you know, like come up with views like yourself, like saying no one really has the answers and, and actually both sides are actually aiming for something that, that, that you know, that, yeah. that is I think right. people just need to kind of start learning to let go of their ego at least. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then, or at the very least, you know, agree with the other side and then throw in your two cents so you look like you were, you know, you look good too. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone just wants the spotlight. And and largely, I think, the media's issue because, you know, whoever said it, they're going to plaster across, you know, every magazine and all that. And then everyone wants that, you know. So if it wasn't that so much that, who said what? Who's yeah. going to get, get the spotlight? And yeah. there won't be so much of that. So the real enemy. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was going to say, and, and that's the thing, I don't have a sort of solution in my mind to. That's sort of what sort of almost gets me down a wee bit because I, I think some of the ideas we discussed are great and I think, I, and, and I like, but you sort of think it's that soundbite culture that is, that is, is, is literally, it's, I don't see an end to that. I don't see how that could be a better. No. And, no, and maybe, I, and I, upon that earlier, I, I, is that maybe university education, maybe, or just, sorry, tertiary education might help. I don't really know if there's any correlation. I don't really, you would think that the more educated and the more self people are taught and learn. And mm -hmm. I like university because I think it was, it's a great, like when you're at, at sort of at high school and things, you sort of get taught, here's the curriculum, you learn this. At university, I think there's a little bit more debate and you, you have a bit more room for movement and ideas. And that's where like, there's a lot of, um, there's I don't think of, there is enough debate. Sorry? And I don't think there's enough debate, and that's the big issue. Or, like, it's basically what, what I mean is there's more get too emotional. emotional. Like, yeah, yeah, like, like yeah. You're right, there, there probably isn't enough debate, but, like, at school, you, you would never, like, high school, you would not, you'd go down well if you started trying to discuss a point or debate a point with a teacher yeah. or, or things. Whereas in university, I think that is more encouraged, but but you're you're right, maybe there isn't, yeah. maybe still people. Yeah, I think people, people are still very biased to their opinion, and don't want to hear you know it's a lot of kind of brainwashing and i think it's like depending on you know you're, you're entitled like a teacher you're entitled to your opinion you're allowed to say whatever but you can't be shutting down students or other trains of thought because you don't agree with it yeah that's right i like this yeah. one quote i like and i'm gonna i'm gonna um ruin it but it's it's from charlie munger who said you, you know the only way you can have an opinion on something is if you understand the counter argument better than your own opinion so mm. And I think that's it was sort of quite confusing because you think, well, if you understand the counter argument better than your own opinion, you're likely going to side with, with the other your own opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think what he's trying to say is like you really have to understand the other person's perspective and completely understand, embody it, and you know, know it better yeah. than they do to then be strong enough to come across with your opinion. Yeah. I like that perspective, but I think that's a lot of work for most people, and people don't really care too much about doing that work, and they're just thinking, no, I've got my bias, I've got my pre, you know, well, why thing, yeah. I'm trying to research someone else's opinion or else idea when I've got my own. It's like, yeah, but that's not helping society. That's not moving us forward. You know, that's really just, yeah. you know. I think yes, people's like right, and, and like I struggle with it because I'm like I have no idea where you're coming from, or like I, I get where you're coming from, but I don't get the whole. I guess because like, some people get real emotional or yeah. I think people can't uh, stay so civil sometimes yeah. with um, 
yeah with a with a, with a, a particular you know like topic type thing um and i i get it and i read this quote and i was like some it doesn't show you to be more intelligent because you're more objective uh about a certain issue you know it's, it's some people it is an emotional issue when you opened it up and things like that and just your increased objectivity doesn't mean that you're more intelligent per se and and that's fair enough like it is, yeah, it's, it's also it gets nowhere when it degrades to just like if you and if you know like yeah. like right cool our intelligent conversation has led to who can say the dumbest name yeah kind of thing. um it's not really progressive per se so i don't know to be honest i mean I, but for me it's just animals environment you know, pets and all that kind of thing um i've got strong opinions because i work at a pet store um and, and i see a lot of really bad owners New Zealand has no walls around it. So you could, someone could come in and be like, well, I'm going to keep this bird in a jar, essentially. And I, I, I don't have to, I can't do anything. You know, I can say I'm not selling to you, but if the boss is selling to them, you know, I can't be like, help police. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, and, and, and it's because our, our laws, and so I get passionate. That, See, I think. I, I, we've sort of skipped it. Like, that's another fascinating aspect of your life that we haven't covered that, which, which aligns with, everything about you like it's amazing this is what i think is also really exciting and why i want to do this is is because is it if you look at if i was trying to profile you 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 yeah this pet store i wasn't aware of this you should just drop that drop that just oh. <laughs> that's fantastic like, that is brilliant yeah. it just says a bit more about you and it, and it just all ties in so well uh and and but the point i also want to make what i was interested in and just to delve in like sometimes my mind jumps around and forgive me but the idea and this is like um what are your views? Because it's interesting, like you said, like there are no rules around that. And I'm, mm. I've always been like, I've loved pets. I grew up with dogs and cats and just, you mm. know, love that sort of thing. And we've got a dog at the moment. It's not ours, but it's um, it's the mother-in-law's, which uh, which we get to look after, which is really cool. Um, but I've, it's interesting, like uh, I've, I haven't looked too much at the views, like Peta. I'd like to know your views of Peta and their, their point of view, because it sounds mm. like when you look more into it and, and I've sort of come from a family that are, um, that were because they're farmers, they had a sort of a sort of a more right yeah. on this, and then now Peter is, I think, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's also I guess a, well, Peter's very much against farmers, and that's right. Yeah, and but it's also against. Yeah. I think if you bring it down to the core, I think they're even against pets and against ownership, they're against yeah. domestication of any animal, yeah. and, which is ridiculous. And I think it's ridiculous. I think, like, you you want to get someone passionate or someone that to love animals, yeah. but not have it or not see animals because they if they had their way. No zoos, no parks, right. no pets. And so then you're going to be like, look at this picture of an elephant that you never, ever see. Please donate. You know? Yeah. Like, and yeah. I, I, I find animals great and pets, especially because you have a little slice of nature in your home. Yes. And if you're a good pet owner, yeah. and because you can see, you can see people that even just have a cat, they're way more passionate about the cats or general and pet welfare because mm. they have this, you know, cat. And, 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 and But you always get some people that just, you know, where can I jam this live animal? You know, as a decoration, and then yeah. I should tell them no. Um, but I no, I think the that is ridiculous. And, and then, I mean, we don't really have it here per se, but like we have a SPCA, yeah. and I think they're like a sham. Like the, the charity that operates business, which I'm fine with, but say you're a business, don't operate as a charity per yeah. se. And and you know, because they do things like so we've contacted them as a store. And because we, we have, have a cat, cat too, and they, they come, come to our store once a month, yeah. and we, we give them this, 
place to bring the cats to foster them and stuff. And then they sometimes leave cats at the store, which we uh, adopt out them for them and give all the money to them and everything. So we do all of it. So we contact SPCA. Do you have any cats or dogs that you want to bring down here so people can see and all that? And you know, all the money to you. Oh, no, because we have a contract with Animates <laughs> that only they get our cats or dogs. Whoa. But now Animates has a pet ban across the country, kind of thing that they don't have pets in the store, and they have some probably excuse for it. But I was talking to one of the managers, and she said, I was away for 10 days, came back, not a single person knew that all the birds had bites. Birds were leaving the store and wouldn't arrive to the new homes because they'd die on the way because it was so sick. What's worse is they've got a bit attached to animates. So, like, not, oh. a, not a single person. And his, so she banned pets from the store until they were organized, and then but the rest of the store was followed through. Something. Uh, and it's like, so you, the animal welfare yeah. place of New Zealand is partnered with this pet store that can't even look after its own, you know? It, it's, yeah. But it's all for money, you know? So when you yeah. see, like, SPCA labels or pets and safe labels on eggs or whatever, it's literally like, hey, I'm going to pay you X amount of money to come and give me your tech, you know? So it's like, it's really quite sad because how are you going to get the SPCA in New Zealand? I think they need to be reevaluate their, uh, their model. I, their structure. Yeah, so, uh, exactly, yeah. Because so, yeah, uh, you're right. Like, I haven't, as a pet, you, there is not many, it's funny, like, if you're a parent and things, you, you know, there's there's a lot more tests. I know a, a human is, is a different, is a much more higher higher life form, but, but yeah. But the pets, I think, um, people, there are, as I said, I'm not aware of any rule. People could do all sorts of things. And you even watch, you know, like, of course, if you, we've, you know, um, you've got schools and things. So you constantly, your children are constantly, you know, being, you know, I, I suppose, being you know, integrated in society. Or you're constantly being monitored, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But where with the pet, you you know, behind closed doors, all sorts of things can happen. Yeah. How are these? You're right. I've never really thought too much of that. Yeah, and it comes down to it because we have no rules. So, like, um, you know, you're not like just simple things like a, a goldfish. You, I could keep it in a cup, and it'll die. Obviously, that no one cares. And I'm not saying we should have the police busting down doors to like arrest people goldfish, but you sh- you can. It's down to the pit store to have a certain amount of like at least ask the questions because the amount of people that if I they're like can I have a goldfish, and I'm like sure, caught them, sold it, that's fine. But yeah. I, I don't do that, so I'll be like, how big's your tank? Like oh it's I'm going. It's in a, in a pot, like pot plant type thing, and then the plant's going to go on top. I'm like, that's not a that's not a home. It's like, oh, really? You know? And because they didn't search, and then but if I didn't ask, boom, 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 you know, goes that go down. And because yeah, there's no and, and a minimum standard type thing, you know, you think that's that's really all. Like if you, as I said, if you just apply a minimum standard and just say, and the the, mm-hmm. the pet store you're required to ask, and how are you going to house this? Exactly. That that there would. Like, of course, you can't stop people from lying or whatever. But even if you maybe then, I don't know, this is where. But at least at least you asking, it just stops that those ignorant. So because some people are just ignorant and, yeah. and don't mean to be torturing because a lot of people think that uh, goldfish have three second lifespans. True. Or they yeah. grow to the size of the aquarium. It's not true. Kind of thing. Yeah. And and they don't know that because it's from ages ago. Oh, they learned it when they were kids and all that. And then and then they just don't know. But just by me asking a question and explaining they're like oh and they don't want to do it. i don't think people are naturally evil type thing no, but they're very ignorant <laughs> yeah. So, yeah yeah that's it's really it's a yeah and i mean you've been really good at letting me have my my little entourage of uh 
fishing and stuff. And uh, right, it's funny. As a landlord, you, the way we approach it was because um, a lot of people ask for pets and things, and, and and it's such a challenging one because, like, particularly when you're st- students and studying things like this, and, and the pet is not often the first sort of thing that's looked at. You know, like it's generally yeah. studies. Like I think main focus people when they're saying is, is is obviously their studies and their course and things, mm-hmm. but then sometimes pets get the sort of the the side. Um, you know the, the tension but as I said as for a landlord it's more how do you like, I know in New Zealand there's rules now and I don't think you can actually ask people if they've got a pet or you can't control it because people can live however they want to live inside their house and I think that's sort of you know like within reason within the laws of the country you can't stop people having pets and things like this but as um, as a landlord so I think that's sort of a new rule that's coming but the way we've always approached this was was like for cats and things like this, there's there's generally always an effect on the property that is not going to yeah. be because generally as a land, you know, particularly student property, you want to try and make the renting process as efficient as possible. So you don't, you know, you don't, don't want to charge a premium for people that don't have cats and, um, and you know, because there's going to be no additional wear and tear. Although if people declare, say, hey, we've got a cat, then trying to work out a fair premium to pay. And this is what one flat. Now, I've got a lovely email chain that I keep in my show because one group, it was actually in, in your flat three years ago, um, they wanted a cat. And I said, look, this, this is great. But I said, it's this big problem. We've had this, you know, with problem pets and da, 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 in the past and, and the additional wear and tear. How are we going to... How are we going to cover the cost of the, you know, the, which is never going to happen? So either the cat scratching on the wall, or um, if they've if they've made stains on the carpet, or just things like this. How are you going to? How are we going, to, you know, to fairly cover this? And we went through, and I said, generally we say no, but look, these were a lovely group of tenants, and I thought, look, I can, I want to be able to help them, and I generally do want to be able to give people what they want, and if they want, so it's like, okay, let's do a pet. You want to do a pet, but we've got to think of some way to try and cover offset the cost of any additional wear and tear maintenance or any carpet cleaning or things like this because it's going to happen and it's going to be expensive but it may not happen so it's almost like an insurance thing and I said how does I think I can't remember I said how's five dollars a week sound or something something just so that we can so we can add it up and that covers the cost of any additional cleaning or any if there's scratch on the wall that's fine we'll cover it if they do more scratches that's um that's fine that's my risk I've allowed you to do it but if, if there's none well that's again that's a risk that you know there's even if a few scratches I explained to them you can't exactly in, in your flat there's wood paneling and stuff like how do you replace the whole wood paneling or if that you know and mm. but then you would argue as someone that knows a hell of a lot more about animals than I do you'd say well look if they're scratching there would be certain reasons for this or you can get products and stuff no, to stop. I, I think I think we are I, th- I think um landlords should be very very worried about letting people have pets in 100 percent and and with this because I get students coming in all the time and because mm. I'm not a student they'll be like yeah let's get you an animal I'm like <laughs> I have one you know because yeah. the amount they come in and they're like i want to get any pig or whatever and i'm like okay you're obviously a student and i'm like oh so your landlord's all right that's because i'll be asking questions i'm not gonna sell them straight away anyways um oh yeah but we're thinking we're gonna keep it in this size cage which is smaller than appropriate because you have hide it yeah. and then they're like and then you know he won't find out and then we'll do this and then we won't give them the guinea pig this and we won't let it out of the cage and i'm like right so you're going to torture this guinea pig essentially yeah. so you can have it as uh, glorified furniture, really. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and then I think when we were um, looking at um, flats and stuff, we we're talking to landlords. She's like, "Look, I've just said no because I've had bad experiences of the animals suffering. So yeah. they've had one where the tenants couldn't find anywhere to put it, so they just went home for the summer and left the rabbit at, at the flat." And you then that is. I blew my mind when I, because when I tell people this, and this is, it's hard for even me when I try and prep it with this cat thing, I'm saying, look, this often, that was one of my lists. I create this list of things and people just look in shock and going, that would never happen. But I'm saying like, and again, yeah. 
it just happened to be at your flat, there was a cat and I had to call SPCA. Was it, no, it wasn't you, it was another group of football. We had to get SPCA out to remove this cat um, that was, I think the owners had left it there. I don't, uh, well, I don't know yeah. if it was one of our tenants, um, but it was, um, it, it, it was still hanging around the, the flat. And I thought this was, uh, I just couldn't believe it. I thought, who, how could someone just say, all right, we're out of here. We're just yeah, gonna- especially with cats and rabbits and things like that. It's how they think like, oh, but they'll find their own food and water. <laughs> Like, no, they won't. You know, they're domesticated. They're stupid now. Kind of yeah, right. and, like, and, um, yeah, and she's like, they should come in and remove it because it was obviously rotting and stinking out everywhere kind of thing. And it just sucked. And, and, now, and this is the part where the pets are not like, people can't be this bad. You know, like, and now we're going to piss off like, they are that bad. And people coming in and you think, oh, cat, dog, big responsibility, a lot of money. Doesn't click, the, you know, parents might give them extra money, they might have extra money or whatever. And they're like, I want a dog. I'm like, you cannot have a dog. <laughs> and then, so it, it's right. So, frankly, for me, like students and landlords should not allow things like cats and dogs really, yeah. really, you know, yeah. get, get. I think if it was if they like equal dialogue, right? I think if the, the 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 tenants were to say, look, this is what we want to do, and if landlords were open, because the reason why they don't enter a, into a conversation with the landlords, the landlords like, no, no, we, you know, and they just block it all out, and, and I think that's also not right. I think if you're open, go okay here, and we discuss the problems and discuss all this, so people they both mm-hmm. both sides can see. And saying, you know, like, and now, even now with the information I have, I would just from you, just this little glimpse, I'd say, look, okay, cool. You could try and you know, put it in a small cage or hide it somewhere, but that's going to be terrible for them. Have you thought about that? You know, like, again, I yeah. wouldn't about these sort of things, but I would have just come from, you. If, if there's discussion, then like, because what actually happened with this example with the, in, your, in your flat previous year is right then we came to this and we went back and forth and I explained all these and I said, look, and, and she, and I said, look, so we, I started agreeing and said, okay, you can do this. And, um, and she turned around and go, look, complete you know and they were a lovely group and i even i've got this email because i use it as an example but it said um we really appreciate all the time you put us in the thought and we hadn't thought a lot of these things through ourselves and we've actually now decided that i don't think we could afford you know to keep this kit because even just i mentioned the five dollars per rent increase like mm. couldn't afford that like again i'm not having a go at them but i think that added up on top of like they think the food and all this but if you add in wear, wear and tear like if it's your own house that's fine you 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 sort of absorb mm-hmm. a lot but it's someone else's property and if you understand that either you um cover the loss or they cover the loss and they don't particularly want to cover the loss of your decision to have a pet yeah well um, animal can cause a phenomenal amount of damage right. and, and, people come in they're like my dog i got a new puppy and they show me a photo the entire living room carpet was gone like the dog this puppy and one day gone and i was like, oh. like yeah and it's, it's one in a million but you yeah. don't want to be that one in the middle. Like, it's not right. your property to be that one in the middle. That's right. That's right. And and then that's, yeah, also as insurance works, you know, like, yes, that could have cost 10 grand to replace all the carpets or whatever like that. But but if you just take a small amount from everyone, you can sort of go, okay, this can at least cover some of the offset and things like this. But, but yeah, it's it's one of those topics that is, is uh, tricky uh, to discuss. But it's, as I said, you know, like, <laughs> you've taught me about composting. Now you've taught me about animals. I'm just going to have to start, you know, writing a list of all these things. Of yeah. Just I, I think an easy one. I think an easy one for you to deter them, like, is what I do as well, is I'll just deter them instead of being, like, telling them off. It's just, you know, especially with a cat and dog. For one, tell them to buy them proper food, um, which from a pet store, and from, I think, most people, because it's expensive, but it's good food, because um, a lot of people think supermarket food, and that's, like, a slow killer for animals. It's, like, the worst. Um, so for that, and registering, 
across a lot and then taking it for walks and toys and things and like you said the five dollars a week which is just all normal cost and the students are like ah, because places like SBCA or pet rescue or the pet stores you go can i get a cat sure so and they think oh that's 250 bucks or 200 bucks flat cost like yeah. no that's a you know there's a and, thing, and, and that's the issue and then yeah. but when you start explaining it to them they're like ah, and they start clicking like the gears because they get all excited they're about to yeah, yeah, yeah. that um they would have, they could have watched a film or a movie and they go, oh, look, you know what our flat needs, everyone? We need this, you know, this, this, this cat or this dog yeah, or something. Exactly. That's all happy. Let's go get that. And, uh, and, and, and then they go, that, oh, I've cool. seen some very good like, owners that are students. And they're like, look, our landlord's not allowed. Can you sell it to us? And I'm like, I'd love to. Then you might come back a week later and be like, I need to return it because <laughs> the landlord found out kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I think it's just being able to have like an honest conversation and be like, uh, you know. Because it's um, like I think all my animals are like enclosed, <laughs> so like it'll be fish. Or I mean, I, I said listen, they're actually newts, um, but newts are hard to explain. <laughs> so when I say it's just it's like a salamander, but it's the exact same care as a lizard. Um, but they just live in this big aquarium, and so life I don't take them out because they don't like being touched. But it's a very efficient thing. It's a very nice low maintenance pit. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, because like, it's got its own little ecosystem, so they eat all the little things that are in there, um, and nothing can, they can't scale with a glass or anything, and it's half land, half water type thing. Um, and that's it, yeah. yeah they just get to enjoy it, watch it next to my study space. I think, as I said, like this, just this, I'm really super excited about these, these talks, this series, because I think it just profiles, it just shows, you know, like, if I was looking going, hey, look, I just want to know a bit more about Nico Gonzalez, I would go, right, you know, who is this guy? And and I don't think we could have got, like, from a sheet of paper, your CV or two-side or whatever they have to be these days, is that you just never learn or understand about someone. And and, and if you're trying to fit them in a position of it, just, you know, they would miss out on all the, the passion, the understanding. Yeah. Thought Sometimes it's hard to get in, like, a 15-minute, you know, like, tell us about yourself. Exactly. You're like, yeah. I don't and, know. I need to show like, you about myself. everything about you. Just sort of, you know, shouts your your passion for for, for animals and for the, for the environment, the ecology, and everything. And you've mm -hmm. thought about it, and you've got well thought out reasons. As you, well, as you, you've well travelled. I think, like, I, I'm super excited about where these the, the series can go, and uh, I really hope um, that we get some some good positive reviews and positive feedback from this and and i think and look i'm super grateful for your time because i you're the first and i was so excited when we first talked and i just everything started falling together when you started giving me advice on uh, on yeah the composting and all these other interesting things mm. Gee, the amount of knowledge that you know this this one guy in flat has i'm thinking surely you know like i think you you are unique because you have had also this great travel as well but as i said it's still i, I could go through all these these our flats and and find these people that have got some really amazing views and, and some really well thought out, well educated views on certain topics that that of course you know not just landlords but people in general face. And uh, and of course then there's the the, the question of obviously employment and, and careers and what have you. And people are trying desperately now to source this. Like as, as we as we talked uh, in previous talk, like you know student life I think has changed from you know there was. Like of course it's it's you know it's going to be the one of the greatest social um, experiences you have and you meet and the friends and everything that you meet at university are going to be friends for life and I think those are some of the in the contacts you make it be fantastic like when you start working things you can be able to call on people that you've either studied with or you've flattered with or you've you've come into contact with some way in university and I think those are amazing things about you know going to going to university but um, 
you know, going through this and being able to, to convey this to employers and things like this, I think that's the thing that we're we're hopefully trying to bridge that gap. And I'm really hopeful the series is going to help that. And I'm super excited, yeah, that, that we got to talk, talk to you first. And uh, and and I really hope. At the end of the day, you can always just make it a regular old podcast where people can just listen to you talk to random students about degrees and all that kind of stuff. That's right. Well, yeah, without. That's not, I like working towards a degree without like, you, yeah, yeah. you don't, it's not that you don't have one, it's you don't, it's you, you've got half of it sort of thing, you're, you're, you're almost there, but again, yeah, yeah. yeah, but then, and then once, as I said, it's, but, you know, like I'm all for education in general, but I think tertiary education is, and if you look at it, of course, trends and the statistics that show, like as soon as you have that tertiary education, that, that income um, jump that you get in the, in the, in the work what you, is, is massive. Um, and and it, it, I think, of course, because of the amount of time and energy and effort that goes into learning your, your field, and it helps when people like yourself are passionate about what they're learning about. So I'm super excited about this. I'm, I'm really hoping it's going to go well and the series goes well. And, and I, as, as I said, I'm really grateful for your time today and uh, discussing this and, and talking about uh, what's brought you here and to, to Otago and to Prime Campus and, and sharing some of your ideas. And I'm really excited, yeah. For, for the for your future and and I can't wait to see where it goes. Like I'm always hoping that someone like that, you know, you become this world great um, uh, ecologist and and things like that, and, and we'll be able to say I interviewed that guy. Like he is in my flat, and I, I see this now. Like even some people that you'll be this surprised how random like reference checks. Like I even keep saying, oh, well, I'm happy to give these tenants great landlord references. And people go, ah, you know, what's how important is that? When I went to the UK, I thought I was a property manager and I was a landlord, I don't need this reference thing. They wanted a reference for me. And I was thinking, me, you know, come on, like, why do you need, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a landlord. But um, it didn't matter, I needed to find someone that give me a, a landlord's reference. And I, I used uh, the, the my previous, the person that became the, the, took over my job at the firm I used to work for managing property. And then um, uh, the same thing happened uh, with another a, a tenant about five years later, he was studying and he moved to study in, the, in Sydney. And he asked for a reference because he didn't have any other, like he knew that I was reasonably quick with emails and things and that he could just a quick turn around. He said, look, I really need a landlord reference. I can't get hold of my last landlord or whatever. And um, so I was able to turn around quickly. And I think long the short of it, sorry, is going off a massive tangent, but um, but it's really exciting to see where people go and where they start moving to in, in their careers and their studies and things like this. And I'm, I'm excited to see where you go. And particularly because of the international element of, of you know your protect your your potential employment or your career could take you so um well done on everything and thanks again for making the time and uh look forward to seeing where your future takes you that's all right i mean i told you it'd be longer than a, than an hour so yeah it's interesting stuff and i and you sort of think you know how long how can we you know like i could just keep before when we've talked i think it's 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 i'm really grateful and generous for you how generous you are with your time and i think i could just keep going because there are lots of topics and things that you have such an informed decision about like i said i could have i've got opinions and ideas on certain things but when it comes to climate change the environment ecology and things I don't have any education in those areas. Like my mind's quite specific. I've got quite a sort of narrow. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people ask that as well because a lot of people ask me questions and they're like, what do you think, you know, environmental that? Because they're like, I don't know. I haven't studied it. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, and I'm always happy to answer them and all that because I'll go into tangents not until this tomorrow kind of thing. Um, but I don't think people need let's say education is about, you know, like being able to like read something. And I think people need to read about one issue from one source and in another and then things start to make clear with who's lying and what's not making sense and, and I think that's important because I think it's kind of like the argument of authority so it's like you don't have a degree in this so you can't have an opinion yeah 
saying, well, I've met plenty of people with degrees and they're idiots. <laughs> you could argue that I think where you were at with your degree is almost, it's better because you're at the, the sort of almost formative stage. Like you are still, you're getting ideas and new information thrown to you all the time and you're being able to, and it's current, um, where of course mm. once someone's got a degree, they've worked, they've almost, it's almost static. It's become something that's now it's in their pocket. They've got this mm. degree and they've moved on where you're still forming these ideas and so you're very current in, you, in the research yeah. you're doing. Well, I'm constantly listening or reading. I mean, I've been told I have ADHD. No, I'm, I am diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. I've got medication on it. But it means I'm constantly, I have to, I'm either listening to a podcast, I have the TV on or something. So I'm constantly just, you know, listening and learning whatever, all the time. And that's what, and that's what you said again about you sharing this information. I think this is where podcasting will be interesting because like reading something is kind of a hassle sometimes. And I, I've, I find myself, uh, I've just trimmed lately all the content that I consume. I, I, I read The Economist and I've, I read some economist views on certain macroeconomic topics and things. And I read some stuff about property and stuff. And, but even that consumes a huge amount of my day. And I just sort of think, whereas, and this will be the same for a lot of people trying to find things. And I think if the series goes well, we, we can get, we, and, and I, I imagine so, there'll be, I'm sure there's a random um, sampling of all different sorts of people's um, degrees or what they're studying towards um, and within our tenant base. I think that, yeah, people, if they listen to this, they'll be able to pick up on things in a much more digestible way. Like you've, what, you've digested a lot of that hardcore facts and what the hardcore things, and you've gone, here, sure, you've put a bit of your opinion on it, but as I said, it comes from a genuine, passionate source, which I, as opposed to someone that's sort of, um, you know, either outside of that and not in the field and they can put their spin or their, but you've come from, you couldn't get more close to the subject in terms of environment and sustainability and, and, um, and ecology and stuff as, as you are considering all your background, everything like that, but, you know, even just the pet store, like everything, like you, you live and breathe this stuff. So I think your the way you've digested the information in this podcast will hopefully be useful to people going forward. So again, that is no, what I mean, I think, I think going forward when you're interviewing someone else, I think finding their passion. I mean, mine's pretty easy because I'm like from the get go, like, here you go. But yeah. I think some people are very hesitant sometimes. They're like, oh, I'm learning, learning it. But like, they have that passion. They don't want to, because, you know, sometimes when you, like, if I go into tangents, people are like, okay, yeah, I don't want to hear anymore and stuff like that. Yeah. So some people are like hesitant about, I guess, showing the true colors. That's, well, that's, that's, why, that's probably why also you sort of jumped up now saying, right, now, you know, because I thought, and I posed the question, hey, would you know, would you consider this podcast? Because you could easily, it was very quick that you had this passion and you had this experience mm -hmm. and you had this life that that sort of um, that you know um, created you know a lot of really good information about this topic. And 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 I thought, and I've I've already lined up a couple of people at, because I've sort of felt that from this passion. But you're right, I think a lot of people don't sort of show this. And to be honest, like I can feel the same. Like I didn't really know like I had things I was interested in but in terms of even just things I was passionate about like studying business and things like that, I was interested in business in general but constantly I think you know like property isn't sort of the sexiest type of business that you could be interested in even my old employers were like going why are you still interested in student flatting like what 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 does it for you and I think this this area is so ripe for disruption there's so many areas where you can constantly improve and it's almost like every day I find myself sort of struggling to think where can I allocate my time to actually make an improvement in one area as opposed to just constantly just little improvements in all things that mm -hmm. like you've got to sort of have some focus and 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 we're then when you get these comments like saying student funding what's that all about like why what what does interest you it's like you know it's almost like you saying you know like someone asking you used the example earlier I can't remember it was never just asking someone about your passion it's like come on like there's just so much to this area you know you haven't you haven't mm -hmm. even but, but um but so like yeah people see things differently uh, and then and then when you get passionate talking about it people like I start to see it 
Yeah, that's, it's a it's a reason that it's not their passion and it's yours is because they it, don't see the same thing. Yeah, that, trying, so. that's right. I think you when really it's well. communicated, people go, I can see it, and it sort of energizes people. And that's when I was listening. Like you only mentioned a bit about composting and some of the, the research that you did about an idea that I shared with everybody. And you, oh yeah, did some research, and it's like, holy shit! First, that you've done the research on it, but then also you'd gone through and and you knew this, and it's like. Why am I wasting my time with this, you know, trying to learn something that is just, I'm just, I don't know anything about when there's someone like yourself that has got all this knowledge and is really interested. And it's like, I could just touch base and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or where, what would you recommend? So that sort of got me thinking about, yeah. And and so hearing your passion got me go, this is brilliant. I really want to show this to everyone that was as keen to listen. And um, and again, I, I found other uh, other tenants that are uh, that have got similar passions that have just crept out. One of them, which I hope to interview in, on Wednesday evening, is um, has been with us in Pine Campus for four years, and uh, he's he's a perpetual student. Like he's been there and he studied uh, a, a wide range of things, and I'm and he's he's also travelled from overseas. So I'm quite keen. Like I don't know too much more about him than that, and I'm quite keen to learn a bit more about him because I what I do know is that he's been with four different flats so like he's it's not like he stayed with the same group of people he's moved around and so I hear all these amazing things about him from all the different groups that have flattered with him and I'm thinking this guy's really interesting and um he's a really nice guy and I think this you know there's there's something to him so I'm really excited to hear more about that and, well, let me know how it goes yeah yeah well hopefully you'll listen I'll let you know yeah so um yeah. So yeah, that's that's where I think. So I think yeah, I'm pleased that you can see where I'm I'm going for this because it, where I'm trying to take this these podcasts and let's just hope that it goes in that, that direction and I hope it works. But um, nonetheless, it's been amazing talking to you and really interesting listening. And um, thanks again for your time. No worries.